Happy New Year! Welcome to episode 37, our first episode of the Bookcast Club in 2021. Alice and I are sharing our favourite reads of 2020 today. We share our top five favourite reads from last year, plus a few honourable mentions. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to show your support, a free way is to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, or give us a shout out on social media. We're at Bookcast Club on both Instagram and Twitter. We also have a Patreon. Our tiers start at just $2 a month where you can get yourself early access to the podcast, bonus episodes and personalised recommendations and books in the post. If you want to get in touch with the podcast with reader recommendations, episode ideas or questions then please send them our way on Instagram or Twitter or by email thebookcastclub at outlook.com. Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello Alice, how are you? I'm very well Jenny, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. So now everybody knows who's talking and we don't which need to which? introduce ourselves. We've probably been sat here five minutes now trying to introduce the episode so I'm just throwing us in there. We're pre-recording this, it's coming out, well it's New Year now, it should be New Year's Day. It should right be, now. absolutely. But we're pre-recording this and we are going to be chatting our favourite books of the year. So far. As in, I know we do a favourite books of the year so far episode in the summer, but obviously it's still not quite the end of the year. So we're like mid-December, aren't we? So Exactly. So you never know, there could be something better that comes along in the next kind of two weeks. Um, But... We'll save we'll save for the year because my <laughs> yeah. reading really slows down over Christmas because Well it's yeah, just... I always have very good intentions and take about ten books with me and then end up not reading anything. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Whether I'll fit another favourite book in, I really doubt it. <laughs> mm, I've got a monster book to read for book club by the third of January that I've not started yet, and that's my plan is to read that over Christmas. But who knows whether I'll actually get around to that. So <laughs> So we have been disciplined and made ourselves stick to our kind of top five books of the mm-hmm. year. And before we started recording, I was just saying to Alice that I went through my list on Goodreads and some of the books that I've given five stars to, I, I can't really list them as my favourite books of the year, which is a little bit weird, but I can't remember them, which I kind of feels like... I mean, I have a rating system where I rate them on memorability, so I must have so you'd think them quite high. I was going to say <laughs> you'd to think get five you, stars. <laughs> you would think you would be able to remember them if you yeah, give them five stars and include memorability. Stuck with me, which is probably a, a slight test of whether they should be a favourite. That's year, true. Perhaps all of mine really have stuck with me. So I think... yeah, so the ones I've gone with have really stuck with me, but they're not all the ones that I've given five stars to. Some are four stars. Maybe I should upgrade them. Interesting. Well, I'm well. I'm finding really interesting is when I'm looking at mine on Goodreads now. The ones that one of my top five has come out really highly rated by like everyone, um, and one of them has come out like fairly mid range actually. So mm. interesting. Do you want to go first? We don't know if any of these clash with each other. We don't know if we'd pick the same ones. So this will be a surprise to everybody. It will. So uh, I'm not doing these in any particular order, but kind of 
one of book one of five um is where the crawdads sing by delia owens um which i think was basically on like every single person's like favorite book of 2020 it was on like so many like summer book summer reads lists it was it's been on like every list and this is the one that's come out like super highly on goodreads as well it's like 4.47 which i think is the highest rating i've ever seen on goodreads for like average ratings um so yeah so that one's that one as I think we've all, I think we've all talked about this. It's definitely been talked about a couple of times on the podcast mm-hmm. already yeah, this year. A couple of times this year. Um, so it's, everybody probably knows this is the story of Kaya, also known as the Marsh Girl, um, growing up in the North Carolina, on the North Carolina coast and in the marshes there. Um, there's a great love story. There's a great mystery. I, it's got brilliant, like, characterization of the setting, you know, the setting as a character kind of thing. Um, and it's just such a brilliant book this one has really stuck with me and I think it's been called a coming of age story a lot which I think it really is and I think it was just the perfect read in that regard for 2020 as kind of we all adjusted to kind of a new normal everybody reading Kaya as she adjusted to her new normal as well seemed like a pretty good way to do it um I just I just loved this book so much and I've thought about it so much I've recommended it to pretty much everyone I know my mum's reading it as well which she often doesn't listen to my recommendations so the fact that she's listened to this one I feel quite proud of um but definitely firmly up there as one of my favorites of this year I'm pretty sure I'll be reading this one again in in the future yeah I've got it my friend gave it to me so I'm definitely going to read it because I think it was I know it was one of your favorites and I'm pretty sure Sarah T possibly so yes I've got it ready to go you will love it. It's really, it really does have like everything. Um, and I think the kind of the very nature focus to it will really appeal to you. It's really, really your sort of book. It's it's a yeah, nice definitely. read as well. Yeah, it's such a nice read. It's not, it's obviously got some pretty like heavy stuff in there, but it's not one of those books that you read and feel wrung out from it in a negative way. It's very much just a quite uplifting, really leaves you feeling quite good I think at least that's how I remember it but maybe I just read it on a really sunny day and that's what made me feel good <laughs> really happy day <laughs> happy day so my first book and I've definitely talked about this one before because it came up as one of my favorites in like our mid-year uh, favorites episode and that is Bird Cottage by Eva Mayer so seeing as we're kind of talking about nature writing I guess uh it this is the fictional account of Len Howard I think her name's Gwendolyn it is yeah yeah. I I remember looking this up when you told me about it before Uh, who and it follows her life from when she's a child living in Wales and then she's a very talented violinist I feel I like think we it was a violin that one up as well. <laughs> it might have been the it might have been the viola rather than like the violin. We've had this conversation. We have definitely had this conversation before. Either way, she's a very t- talented musician, and she goes <laughs> to London uh, to pursue that. So it follows her from childhood through her London years, and then at the age of forty, she moves to Bird Cottage. It's just I couldn't believe it was fictionalized to start with it's so well written i just remember it being a really great look at yeah one one the nature writing in it but two just 
like a celebration of a, a woman living on her own and not needing a man and she lives a very fulfilled life with the birds <laughs> in her garden and she studies them and I think she wrote two non-fiction books so they're real Len Howard wrote two non-fiction books about the birds in her garden it's the story of her life but then I don't know if it's every other chapter but dotted throughout are these I guess uh, studies of a bird called Star who's a great tit so they they read like most scientific studies I mean they're more re- readable than that and they're really short but it feels like it's her writing those and I remember every time I read anything in it I kept looking up whether you know that bit was non-fiction or that bit was non-fiction actually none of it is it's all fictionalized <laughs> and it's all written from those because I don't think there's that much like written evidence of how she lived her life particularly so I think Eva may have wrote it by what we're reading the two non-fiction books but then also talking to the people that knew her in the village mm-hmm. so I mean how accurate it is I don't know but I really really loved it and I thought it was great and yeah that one's that one stuck with me quite a lot I can't remember when I read it I feel like I read it when lockdown first kind of started happening I remember thinking I really needed that after finishing it just like a a book where someone's so connected with nature that the outside world doesn't really matter to them. And I remember mm. feeling like it was a really good book for that particular period of time in my life. Yeah, I think I think kind of the way that most people have read has kind of changed, well, not changed, but kind of been very reflective of what's been going on this year. And definitely that sort of really close connect- connection with nature definitely sounds like a good... 2020 read with yes. all of the limits we've had on connecting so with nature. 2020 <laughs> so 2020 but yeah it's, it sounds fantastic like every time you talk about this one it just sounds like an absolutely brilliant book so I will have to look that one up um yeah, I said that last really time like as well it. maybe it'll be one for for early 2021 so hmm. talking about other talking of books for 2020 my second one on my list is Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo, which again, I think is going to be on basically everyone's 2020 lists. Um, and it's just, I mean, I don't really think there's very much that needs to be said about this book that, or there's very little that I can say that hasn't already been said. It's just phenomenal. It's the way that it's written. I mean, like the physical way that it's written, how it's almost poetry rather than rather than prose is just so clever. And I think having you know, we said this when we all, when we read Mr. Loverman, the way that she writes in Girl and Another, and having now also read Mr. Loverman, the chapters that are written um, from the perspective of Carmel, and the very, that are written in that very same style, that kind of very poetic, very kind of like bits, not bits and pieces, it's kind of like, almost like a stream of thought rather than or a stream of consciousness, rather than kind of, you know, Mr. Such and Such went to the shops and did this, that it's very much what Mr. Such and Such would be saying. And I just love that way of writing. And I still think, and I know we've all said this before, that Everisto was absolutely robbed by not having the uh, the Booker Prize on her own. Um, mm. And I just, you know, the, the more time that goes past, the more I think that, and I think everybody else does as well. But it's just phenomenal. And the kind of the, ex- the exploration of kind of womanhood and girlhood and just being a black woman in the UK is from so many different perspectives and so many different voices but each of them being so well-rounded and so well-written and so unique it's just the most phenomenal work of literature and 
I would be surprised if this doesn't eventually end up on kind of the national curriculum or something because it's just such a clever book it's such a good book as well though it's just there's so many bits that are just so funny and so sad and the twist at the end I think I kind of saw it coming but not quite and I've just never read anything like it and I'm not sure that I will she's come up with something so unique and so brilliant this collection of short stories that really do hang together as a novel is just it's so good and I I will definitely it's given that it was one of the first things I read in the year I actually can't remember anything else that I read between January and the beginning of lockdown I've got literally I've got a complete blank on it <laughs> the only one that I can remember reading in that time period is Girl Woman Other and I think that says quite a lot so phenomenal couldn't couldn't recommend it highly enough couldn't be happier to have read it in this year yeah it's another one that I need to pick up I will pick up I can't believe you've not read it (laughs) yeah I know we've got so many books I own that I've got to read first but yeah I think especially after reading Miss Loverman and realizing how uh accessible and readable her writing is yeah actually I am I really do want to pick it up yeah when you hear Booker Prize winner I think most people have a very specific theory as to what that kind of book is going to be it's going to be something quite staid and quite kind of you know cerebral but this is this is definitely clever and phenomenal but it's certainly not staid and it's certainly mm-hmm. not you know it's it's I think I read it very quickly it's not I mean I, I think I'd like to go back to it again to get more from it but even on a you know quick romp through um I got masses from it and loved it so I really do think I do really think you have to read it. It's brilliant. Please go and read it next, Jenny. The next book I was going to talk about is another one that I feel like you couldn't really have avoided this year. (laughs) And that was Hamnet by Maggie O'Farrell. I don't know if this one would have been in my favourite. I think I read this after we did our like favourites at the start of the year. Mid-year even. I don't think you've talked about this with me before and I think the last time we recorded together was our mid-year favorites so Blimey. no I know yeah so yeah I think it's uh I think it's a newer one for you yeah so I mean you can't really have avoided it I think if you follow the book world at all then you can't have avoided it really it won the women's prize for fiction which I was very pleased with I thought it was a very worthy winner and it didn't surprise me at all I think it would have surprised me if it hadn't have won it's about Hamnet who is Shakespeare's son although I say it's about him it's not it's not really about him it's called Hamnet and I'd say that's more about the profound effect he had on everybody everybody's lives that are in the book it's no secret that he dies I hope that's not a secret I don't think (laughs) that's a spoiler (laughs) no it's not a spoiler I've not read it and I know it so no so the whole whole point is really that not many people realize that Shakespeare had a son and I think Maggie O'Farrell not obsessed but I think she well that's the only adjective I can think of I think she was quite obsessed with the story of Hamnet or at least coming up with a story about him I think she always wanted to write about him and it's the first half of the book is I mean he doesn't die till about halfway through so the first half of the book is kind of very much about him and his family and his twin sister and his twin sister is poorly poorly say that they have the plague (laughs) like they're pretty poorly 
very poorly sisters very poorly and um this is what's going on kind of the first sort of half or third of the book and then hamnet is the one who actually dies of the plague and i would say it's very much a book about grief and how we deal with grief especially the death of a child and i think maybe that's why i loved it so much because obviously i've had well she's over a year old now but when I read it Robin was probably about seven or eight months old and just I think just having a child suddenly made me realize how painful losing a child must be god I don't really know if you can compare the two but it's always kind of like whenever you think about loss I remember always thinking about you know what happens when Pip dies so Pip is is my dog (laughs) Who Jenny and, adores and is one of the best dogs in the world, let's be honest. And I try not to think about it. I'm, I'm not very... I don't deal well with people, not people dying, but it's one of my things that I get quite anxious about mm-hmm. is people dying. And if I start thinking about my parents getting older, then I can get quite worked up about it. So it's something I try not to... I can't watch programmes about dogs at the vet, anything like that anything <laughs> that starts making me think Pippa's going to die, which she will do you know, she's not going <laughs> to go on that much longer, she's quite an old dog now, but yeah, anything like that would always make me get really quite upset so I think how she writes about the grief that Agnes goes through as Hamlet's mother, I, it wasn't upsetting like I didn't get really upset by it, which I was surprised by, but there was just something that I could really really connect with Mm. that maybe even though I have gone through grief you know I've lost people very very close to me but perhaps not immediate family so it's kind of the closest I could get to thinking about how that might feel Mm -hmm. and I think that's why it affected me so much why I loved it so much and the fact that it's about essentially a a pandemic you know the plague and Mm. how timely how incredibly timely that was by complete accident I just, <laughs> well, I just couldn't see how it wasn't going to win the women's prize yeah I mean I've heard nothing but good things about this book it's definitely I don't think it was one that I would have if it hasn't had so much hype I don't think it's one that I would have picked up because I like historical fiction but I've really not been reading it for kind of quite a while now to be honest and I think I'd have gone, oh, story about Shakespeare's son, really? Not sure. But just, yeah, everything that you've just said is pretty much everything I've been hearing about this. And it just sounds phenomenal. So really, really looking forward to picking this one up when it's in paperback, because this one is a really hefty book. It's like, it's massive, Yeah, I listened to the audio, so, which was a really nice way to, I had a long drive to do, so I listened to it, which was really good. Yeah, I probably would have avoided it normally because it was so hyped. But because I read, and it was one of my favourite books, I think last year, Maggie O'Farrell's non-fiction, I Am, I Am, I Am, because she talks about grief in that quite a lot. I think that's what made me pick it up. So I am quite a big fan of hers anyway. Not that I've read mm. any of her other fiction, but I loved that book. Um, So I really, really enjoyed it. I know that I don't think Sarah... I thought Sarah Kay would really enjoy it, but she didn't enjoy it as much as I thought she would. So I do oh, think some of that is to do with maybe right time, right place. Mm. Yeah, but I loved it. Next on my list, where has my list gone, 
is I mean this is not going to come as a surprise to anyone who listened to my last to the last episode I was on um uh, yeah. is I know if what we were, you know what I'm gonna say <laughs> if we were villains by ML Rio which I think is a good segue from Hamnet because this one's really Shakespearean as well so we're doing really well on, with our links here um but if we were villains it's just it's just really gripped me and I've thought about it almost every day since I finished reading it I loved it so much and I mean you can tell I can really tell when I'm really obsessed with a book because I find literally any excuse to read it and with this book I literally had it next to me at my computer and if I was waiting for an email to come in or if I just needed like Instead of scrolling through my phone, I would pick it up and read a couple of pages, um, which nearly got me into trouble when I kind of very nearly was late for a meeting when I had got kind of quite engrossed in it. So wouldn't recommend doing that, you know, pay attention to your work, people. But I, I just adored this book. And if you haven't listened to the episode where I rave about it, please do go back and listen because that's where I'll explain about it properly. But I just think the funniest thing about it is the extreme reactions it brings out in people because the Goodreads reviews are hysterical. The first one that comes up says, folks, when you come across this book, you'll hear a voice saying, oh, this sounds interesting. Do it. That is the devil talking. And that's like the beginning of the first review on Goodreads, which I just love so much. And it is brilliant. It's it's not it's not as good as The Secret History, but it's I it fills a very similar place in my heart and it's you know a group of a group of teenagers at a elite college with a where something goes wrong it's a very specific niche of book that I didn't realize that I loved as much as I do but I really do so if anyone's got anything else in this vein please recommend it to me because it's just it's just really fun and I mean it feels weird to talk about a book where somebody dies as fun to be honest but Obviously, this is a full fiction, so it's, you know, I think it's okay to talk about it like that. But just the the cleverness of kind of weaving Shakespeare into their dialect, into the full plot of the story, the, the ending is just a perfect Shakespearean ending. It's brilliant. It's so incredibly clever. And I really, I'm, I said last time I would probably try to read it again before 2020 was over. That's probably not going to have happened by the time this book, <laughs> by the time this episode comes out, because actually there are other things I want to read as well. But it's, it's just, it brought me so much joy this year. This book really did bring me so much joy. I, I really loved it so much more than I was expecting to. I kind of did pick it up thinking, oh, this sounds quite good, but really, really loved it and I will probably continue to rave about it as often as I'm allowed. There's a podcast that I found recently called uh, Novel Pairings. Mm-hmm. And they did an episode on campus novels. Are they American? Yeah, they must be American. Yeah. Um, which made me think of both you and Sarah Kay, because I know you like books like that. So it's worth having a look. Oh my God, I'm definitely going to look that up. Loads yeah, more they, recommendations, they really please. really like that podcast. They basically read... Um, a book and then they they give loads of recommendations kind of similar to the book that they've talked about but they definitely did a campus novels special so fantastic that sounds that sounds right up my street i'm going to have to that sounds brilliant thanks joe and i know sarah kay's got it out of the library to read now Ah, i hope she enjoys it as well no pressure (laughs) my god i mean 
it's brilliant. But as I say, it's a, I suppose it's quite a specific niche, like campus novels. So if you don't like them, you probably won't like this book. But if you do like them, hopefully you will. It's great. I think so anyway. Favourite book of the one. <laughs> I would say I would put this probably in top three mm. rather than just top five. So yeah, loved it. So my third book, I think we're on the third one, is one that I've talked about a lot on here. So I won't <laughs> talk about it for too long. But that is The Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slaying by Grady Hendrick. So I haven't read horror in a long time. Like I grew up I watch a lot of horror films, but I grew up reading a lot of horror, but I haven't read any for probably years, might even be like 10 years. So it was the first time I picked up something for a long, long time, and I really loved it. It's great fun. It's about a woman who forms this book club with some uh, fellow women in her southern town. They're like southern housewives, <laughs> and they're in this really snooty book club, and they break away and form their own yeah so the basic story is that she sets up this book club or she's involved in this book club but um this mysterious man comes into her life uh, i won't say how but it soon he appears he's a vampire and um the whole you, you kind of guess that it's gonna end up that the book club becomes like this vampire slaying book club um, but yeah it's just really really good fun i actually think it's another book that if you go and read the reviews for like you just see wild swings in star reviews mm. um and i hate to be like i just don't think people got it <laughs> but you read some of them and you think that you just really didn't get it because it's it's almost um i'm really sorry if everyone can hear the shower ben's literally in the on no i i can't hear it at all <laughs> it's almost like a book about prejudice and race and patriarchy i guess if you don't read it with that lens on i've seen a lot of reviews that are a bit like i can't believe the people are reading this and enjoying it in this day and age and i'm like pretty sure it's supposed to be satire that's the word isn't mm, it that's the word like, <laughs> like i'm pretty sure that he's kind of taking the piss a bit but yeah i thought it was really funny i really loved it i think i said when we talked about it when i talked about it on here before that i really hate the trope in vampire fiction that's that vampires have to there has to be like a sexual element to them oh, I, just, yeah. I don't normally enjoy vampire stories and it, <laughs> it does fall into that a little okay but i still really really loved it and i bought his other books so i just thought it was great great fun but it is quite horrible and i said that in my original review that it's not one that i could be like oh yeah if you don't really like horror it'd be fine like no it's definitely got some pretty horrible horror horror elements in it so i wouldn't recommend it if you're not into horror yeah that's definitely not a book for me i do not i don't <laughs> no, do horror literally like i was just saying to jenny that before joining just before joining to speak to her I was looking I was like watching a kind of whatsapp play and it was the most creepy thing I've ever experienced it was horrible I hated every second of it so a horror book sounds like my worst nightmare no pun intended it literally sounds awful um that one sounds I mean the annoying thing is though that that one sounds really good on so many levels he's very very good so he's just very funny, very um, observational, but also very, very good at the horror elements in it. So, mm. yeah, it's not, it's sadly. I mean, you could just skip over those bits. <laughs> 
Or maybe it's one that I could read on like a summer holiday because yeah, I can deal yeah. with I can deal by with like pool. horrible stuff a bit better by the pool. <laughs> it's just yeah, maybe it's one for that. Okay, so next on my list is the most fun we ever had by Claire Lombardo, which I loved and I know Sarah T loved as well. Um, it's a wonderful family epic, and I think one of the things that I loved most about it is the normality of the family and on reflection kind of you know the the fact that a lot of the dramas they have are quite well not unusual in fact no quite most of the dramas they have are quite normal dramas in some way or another so one of the you know one of the daughters is hiding a big secret um in fact two of them are hiding big secrets really but one of them is hiding a secret about kind of her exact life and kind of you know is she in college or is she not basically and I think that kind of secret a lot of people's families have probably had at some point or another you know somebody who's dropped out of something and not really told the full truth and I thought that was I just thought that was portrayed so well and sure the bigger secret of the the son that kind of has been adopted and and reappears is one that I don't think very many families can probably directly relate to but the way that it's written is just so beautiful and kind of the way that these big things that could have the potential to kind of pull families apart and how in this case it it kind of doesn't and it actually draws them back in directions that they weren't expecting to go is just it's so well done and they're such a human family they are so flawed and so brilliant and just so wonderful and I think I was reading an interview with the author who and she said that she was away from her family when she was writing it and this family that she wrote basically became her surrogate family and I thought that was just so perfect and it's you know in a year when we've really not been able to see family or friends as much as we'd want to this one and having that kind of that surrogate family just kind of there between the pages of a book was just kind of what I needed and I really, really loved it. Just a really, it's quite wholesome, to be honest, which I think I really needed this year. Interestingly, of all of the books that are in my top five, this is the one that's actually rated the lowest on Goodreads, like everyone else. I think it's had quite mixed reviews and I think some people have found it possibly a bit dull, but I kind of like a fairly simple, sweet story sometimes. Um, and a family epic, I think, is kind of the best way to do that. Just, it's just the people you want to spend time with, isn't it? And it's a it's a lovely book, and it's dramatic and brilliant, and good twists and turns. But it's also just it's just such a good story, such a such a good story. So my fourth book, and this is one that I so it's a short story collection, and it was one that I appreciated more once I talked about it with my book club and that is things we say in the dark by kirsty logan so it's i've read one of her short story collections before which i think is called the rental heart she mm-hmm. writes quite weird fiction i guess that's probably how you describe it um <laughs> so i in my favorites of the year so far i talked about the gloaming by mm-hmm. her which is one of her like full length novels um and that that is one of my honorable mentions um but this was a, a short story collection and it's kind of described as 
almost horror, but I would say... So the book's split into three parts. So the first part, all the um, short stories are, are about home. The middle part, they're all kind of about pregnancy and child rearing, child bearing, child rearing. That's what I mean. <laughs> Raising children. Child bearing is the same thing as pregnancy, isn't it? Yes, it child is. Rearing. Um, <laughs> and the final part, I can't remember if it had like a specific sort of topic, but the final part's definitely a bit more true horror sort of stories because I remember Sarah Kay asked if she should read it because she doesn't like horror and... I would say up until the part three, where Kirsty Logan gets quite experimental and some of the stories are quite scary, I'd say you'd be okay with the first like two parts of the book. Okay. I just thought it was... So, there's some that are hit and miss, but to be honest, I find that with any short story collection. Absolutely. There are some that are so out there. I literally, even talking it through with the other girls in book club, we couldn't work out what the stories were about. So there are some in there that are so weird that I couldn't kind of work out what she was getting at with some of them but some are just so so good that it makes the whole collection really worthwhile so she really kind of I guess delves into the everyday fears that we have and makes them terrifying in a not mm. in a all oh, horror scary like I can't read this if I don't like horror kind of way but all those kind of like everyday fears we have that sometimes we'd be too embarrassed to admit that we have like one of the stories and it's so good it's it's about a couple who take their child to what appears to be an abandoned fun fair and then as the story goes on what you realize is it's like this fun fair where the children get abandoned and it's just tapping into that fear that you know what if i don't like my child and mm. it's that's you know it's not one that you necessarily admit to having but having read it i'm kind of, i remember thinking that when i was pregnant with robin thinking what if i don't like my baby mm. and then even now even though she's like absolutely wonderful i love her to bits you still there's something there that makes you think what if she's a nightmare when she's older my mum always used to say i always love you but i don't always like you which was when we were generally being particularly awful teenagers and she does genuinely really like us actually but there were times when we would do those horrible horrible teenagery things and she would say i just actually don't like you very much right now i love you and i'm here for you but there's just I yeah (laughs) so that's such an interesting one though it's really 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 clever interesting it sounds really good though and I know I remember you talking probably a couple of years ago now actually about the rental heart Mm. and how much you'd loved that so yeah I think I must give her a go she's not somebody I've picked up before because I do think that kind of magical realism is something I kind of like but not always but she Mm. sounds like a pretty good example of it so I think it might might be time to dip my toe in. Um, yeah. yeah she's I'd brilliant. give the rental heart go first, perhaps. Mm. Just because I don't okay. remember those being scary. Which is useful. I prefer not to be scared. I think they were um, twists on fairy tales. Cool. So the final one in my top five is... I can't remember if I talked about this one, actually. So I'm going to go into a bit more detail about it. Apologies if I am repeating myself. Um, but it is... 10 minutes and 38 seconds in this strange world by Elif Shafak and it is the story of Tequila Layla who at the beginning of the book 
is murdered. And she, in the 10 minutes and 38 seconds following her death, each minute there is a different kind of very visceral memory of a smell or a taste in particular. And each one links to kind of a memory from her past and her childhood. So there's one about um, sugar and lemon, which is from when she was a child and the women in her household used to um, wax their legs with a combination of sugar and lemon. So the kind of the taste and the sort of the smell of this has this really visceral memory to her as she's as she's dying and as her kind of her soul is leaving her body, I guess, um, of of this thing. And there, so, yes, yeah, so there's 10 chapters like this. And that's kind of in the first part of the book. And each of the each of the memories is also linked to a person sort of one of her five closest friends who are people from all kinds of different walks of life and all kind of slight outsiders in society because tequila Layla, after running away from home as a teenager becomes a prostitute which is basically how she is killed uh, or what not how she's killed why she's killed she's killed by some really awful men basically so there's a couple of chapters as well within the book that really go into her friends' background stories as well and kind of why these people have all come together and centred around this this one woman. And it's just such an interesting way of thinking about what happens after we die because I think it's one of those things that probably most people wonder about is that in those few those final few moments or kind of those first few moments after your heart has stopped beating, what what happens to you and I've never come across a concept like this before and I just think it's so clever and it's so wonderfully done but what's really interesting as well is how to build a character after she's died so all of her the character building is done in memory basically and you know she's not you're you're learning new things about this person as the story goes on as the book goes on but without her really almost being a part of it because it's memories of her and things that have happened in her in her past. And then the second part of the story is her friends trying to find her, basically, because she's, you know, she's murdered in a in a back street and she's meant to be meeting her friends later and she's not she doesn't turn up, obviously. And they go looking for her and try to work out what's happened to her. And eventually there's some grave robbing involved, which is great. It's absolutely hilarious, which is weird to say about, you know death and everything but it is genuinely quite funny it's so it's a story about kind of memory and grief and but really at the core of it is friendship and how friends can be the family that we don't have and the the family we choose for ourselves and you your your closest friends may end up being people that you never would have thought they would be and they might be people so different to you and who've got such different experiences and backgrounds to you but they become kind of, you know, such a linchpin in your life. And it's just such a brilliant story of kind of love and loss and memory and taste in particular and kind of, you know, these incredibly visceral descriptions of food. And it's set in Turkey, so it's really wonderfully described. And it's such a evocative setting with such incredible kind of scents and smells and it just flows. The story just sort of, it flows like water. It's wonderful. It's so, it's such a clever book. And I think it came out maybe last year or the year before. Yeah, I've never heard of it. But it's, it's, been, it's been spoken about quite a lot and it is really popular. It's the author's kind of 
I want to say maybe even sixth or seventh book, but I've not read anything else by no, her. No, I haven't. I just had a look. Yeah, it came out last year. Last year. But it's it's wonderful. And I really, really wish everybody everybody would read this because it's kind of a, a lot of it is about people who are kind of at the fringes of society. So there's a transgender person in the story. There's a person um, with dwarfism. Um, yeah, Tequila Layla is a prostitute. So there's these people and their stories that aren't always brought to the forefront in literature, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are all so beautifully, brilliantly written, so sensitively written. So, And they're all such full characters. There's no kind of... Um, you know kind of romanticizing anyone or kind of putting them putting them on a shelf because you know they've they're they're suffering because they're on the fringes of society you know these are people who are who are fully rounded characters with all their all their good bits and their bad bits and I just think it's just brilliant it's I I've thought about this book so much I read it over the summer when I was when I was on a little holiday it opened my eyes to kind of a world that I don't really know very much about I've never been to Turkey I I haven't really read any anything else kind of like this or really that's set there. So I've not got anything to compare it to. So other people may feel that it's a very poor representation of Turkey <laughs> or of, of Turkey in that time. But I I just loved it. I loved everything about it. The writing is phenomenal. The way it weaves a story while jumping around in time, which I think can be really difficult to do well. But it's it's a fantastically executed book and yeah, I really, really loved it. She's Turkish, isn't she? She's British Turkish. British Turkish. Saying so she's the most widely read female author in Turkey. So you'd there like to go. think it's a fairly good representation of the country. <laughs> I hope so. I think so. That makes me feel better about saying that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've immediately added it to my to be read list. Sounds mm. great. Yeah, and she's got she's got a brilliant She's got a brilliantly long list of other books that she's mm, that she's yeah, written, definitely. all of which are similarly highly highly spoken of. So I'm I'm hopeful that when I go to pick up a couple more of her works, mm. they might be might be just as good. It's nice to find an author with a big back catalogue. Yeah, because I've read far too many debut novelists this year, which has been <laughs> lovely in many ways. It's been brilliant in so many ways, but also you've just got to wait for their new ones, isn't it? Exactly, and I have to wait longer because of my hatred of of hardbacks. <laughs> it's such a hard and life. coronavirus taking a very long time for them to actually come out in physical it is. form at the moment. It is, hmm. and maybe should maybe I should get some sort of e reader. Yes, yeah, you might have to. Um, so my final book, and I spoke about this one with Sarah Kay in the last episode is Witches on the Road Tonight by Sherry Holman. Oh, so I've not heard of this. It's a book, I guess it's a, it is a book about family, but I'd hate to recommend it to you and Sarah as like a family saga because it's not the sort of family <laughs> saga I think you two would necessarily be into. Um, it's about a family with quite dark secrets and... I mean, it's called Witches on the Road Tonight, so you know it's going to be about witches. So the the mother in the story is a witch, and it's set in the 40s, the 80s. So in the 40s is kind of like Cora's story, so she's the mum. And in the 80s, uh, it's Eddie's story, who's her son. And then in present day, it's Wallace, who's Eddie's daughter. So it is a family saga, but it's very non-linear it jumps around a lot 
it can be quite confusing but her her writing is incredible and she's also a screenwriter so the dialogue Ooh. in it is also amazing and i'd never heard of her before but she she was nominated for what is now the women's prize but way back when it was called like the orange prize for mm-hmm. fiction or whatever it's be called the orange yeah. prize maybe and she hasn't released that many books because like i said she is a screenwriter and she does work on tv series like she's working on stuff now so i think novel wise maybe she gets something out every i don't know five ten years but i really really loved it it's set in the mountains so set in the appalachian mountains so and because she's such a good writer it's really sort of you really get the sense that you're there and because she's a witch i guess it's magical realism but some of it's like described within dreams so you never quite know what's real what isn't interesting Um, people die people are murdered but it's also an exploration of again family and family secrets um because the fact that witches are in the family is not the only secret that they kind of hold um yeah and i really really enjoyed it it's quite short but it took me quite a long time to read just because it's involved um, involved that's the word not heavy because it's not a heavy book, yeah but it is quite involved and you feel like her writing needs to be given the time to really read it properly mm-hmm. and appreciate it properly rather than just skim through it really quick so yeah i really really loved it and i would definitely pick up some of her other books it sounds fantastic it sounds mm. like it sounds like a good maybe entry to magical realism perhaps yeah definitely because it's not because a lot of magical realism I read is really just there are magical elements in it. And that's mm. just how things are. Whereas almost witches, they're familiar. The magical things that, yeah, that, that's the thing, isn't it? It's not the concept of them is not, you're not having to get your head around the concept of a witch. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of magical realism light, I suppose. Yeah, sounds brilliant though. What was it called mm. again, sorry? Witches on the Road Tonight. On the Road Tonight. Nice. It sounds, yeah, sounds fantastic. Oh, I just love how different our books of the year have been this year. I think sometimes they've been fairly, there's been a bit of overlap, but mm. no overlap this year. No, no and overlap this year. You've really gone down a magical realism path yeah, for my this favorites. year. I'm Your favourites have all been, all been kind of that kind of vibe, whereas mine have been i like the fact i think all of our top books of the year have been written by women which is great i mean oh no no my no. My, hor- my horror book is a male author. oh nearly all of them then. nine out of ten yeah, isn't bad i mean i'm not gonna lie that's probably the only book i've read by a male author because i've not read any books by men this year as far as i can no, as far I as i can bad tell not. i don't know if i consciously do it or not <laughs> i promise i don't hate all men <laughs> this year i actually kind of did deliberately read or sort of 2020 i read deliberately fewer books by men and certainly fewer books by white people mm-hmm. so do we want to do honorable mentions so my honorable mentions are dead famous by craig jenner so that's non-fiction craig jenner's um i won't go into detail on all of these but craig jenner's a historian um on british tv is a british historian and and that book is about the like history of celebrity Oh, it's very, cool. very good. Spirited by Julie Cohen, which I have talked about on the podcast before. So 
I can probably link to all these episodes yeah. that we've talked about these books previously. Uh, Ruby by Cynthia Bond, Lowborn by Kerry Hudson, which I've definitely talked about on here before, Lady in Waiting by Anne Glenn Connor, again I've talked about that one, and mm-hmm. The Gloaming by Kirsty Logan, which was on my favourites for the first half of the year, which didn't quite hit top five. Yeah, that's But she fair. had one in my top five, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, honourable mentions from me are Yar Gyasi's Homegoing, um, which is just, which, you know, has really stuck with me. I think I need to read it again before I could probably put it higher, but it's definitely kind of I've a phenomenal. i to read as well on my bookshelf. Phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, the Flat Share by Beth O'Leary, which was a perfect light read in a horrible year. Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which similarly. Um, and Three Women by Lisa Tadeo, which yes, I think that was everyone in your talk- first half favourite. It was, it? it was. I loved it, but not quite, not quite at the top, but definitely the best piece of of non fiction. So exclude, and of course, obviously, um, very high honourable mention to why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Mm, um, yeah, which which I kind of is is very much on the borderline of of kind of top five or or not so it's probably that's probably my sixth <laughs> but yeah that was that was um <laughs> i've had a much longer list which i did have to like cross a few things off because mm. i'm i was like i'm just going through all the books i've read this year like all of them because <laughs> yeah. um, i i really enjoyed mr Loverman as well which obviously mm. we read we read together, we read so, together. yeah it's but, yeah. been a really good reading year for me it's been a, it's been a good reading year for me as well i think i've read some some books that are definitely going to kind of go on onto the onto the all time favourites list mm. this year, which which I love. I love when that happens. So yeah, really, really fantastic reading. I think more time for reading than I was expecting to have. Yeah. Um, lots of reading in parks over the summer, which I wasn't expecting to do, but uh let's maybe consider that a positive of the weird year that was twenty twenty. Yes, yeah, no, I've definitely read a lot more this year, but I think that's actually more to do with having a baby which really surprised Mm. me because a lot of people said "Mm, you won't read anything when you have a baby but actually once robin goes to bed it's not like i can go out anymore so (laughs) from about half seven i've got my evenings to myself and like yeah i've read probably the most i've ever read this year so don't let people tell you that you won't have time for reading if you have a baby (laughs) good tip to end on i think (laughs) yeah so thanks everyone for listening and the two Sarahs will be talking about their favourites in the next episode uh, they read a lot more than you and I so <laughs> whether they'll stick to five I don't know <laughs> <laughs> five's enough for us though yeah but thanks for listening and uh, we'll speak to you all soon speak to you soon